0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Midweek Mailbag where we are here live on Twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit answering your questions. Right in the middle of the week, Wednesdays, usually around 12 30 p.m. Eastern, if you want to join us. My name, by the way, is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me back at Detroit online, maybe. We'll see. Uh, you can also find our uh, co host here of the Midweek <laughs> Mailbag on Twitter, certainly more active than I am these days uh, in my curmudgeonness. Uh, he is the uh, managing editor of Pride of Detroit. He is at Eric Slit on <laughs> preset Twitter. Eric Slit <laughs> is here. Eric, how are we doing? It's at Eric Schlitt on Twitter and, and, uh, streams, as as, uh, threads. Did you say streams? (laughs) You old man, Sure. whatever it is, you know, or you're not supposed to announce our own, uh, social media platform that we're launching later. This streams. I'm on all the platforms. (laughs) I'm on all of them.
0: Um, I, you know what I like though? I like that people are not fooled by the fact that you're not using your Detroit online handle and they're just now, adding pride of detroit instead of adding anti-trade online because they know that they can get a hold of you that way and so people are uh people have figured it out
1: immediately and uh yes i'm still mostly just promoting our stuff i don't I don't I like, know it, it's a nice right. little social media break because no still two more weeks eric until less, training camp starts less yeah. than two weeks we are yeah we have mm-hmm. crossed over the two-week threshold so we're yeah. getting there Uh, But to help carry you guys over the the finish line here for the next 10 to 14 days, we are doing our midweek mailbag, which is again, answering your questions here live. So let's do that. Let's start answering some questions. And we're going to start here with Zach Z Gascon 12 on Twitter asks, given in the past, how many one-year contracts have ended up signing extensions? What players this year do you think have the best chance of becoming long-term players? And I'll give you. Uh, the notable one-year deals that were handed out this year to new players. This doesn't include re- re-signings. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, Graham Glasgow, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Jake McQuaid, Jalen reeves Mabin, Marvin Jones Jr., and Christian Covington all got one-year deals. Out of those, which player or players do you think have the best chance of sticking around long-term? I think it's Mosley and Gardner-Johnson.
0: Those two stand out to me. Now, yeah. if I had to, if I were allowed to add a third mm-hmm. um i would say graham because graham really loves it uh in detroit he yep. loves the 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 people he loves his teammates and he is i think at the stage in his career where he is just ready to be happy and play on a contender and um if he's not started then you know so be it he can be a valuable contributor and his his skill set is something that is I'm sure very attractive to the lions as well. And the guard situation is kind of in peril over the sure. next couple of years, if, if, if things aren't solved. So I think Graham seems like it's going to happen uh, just from a, a, like a social standpoint, but um, if it's a, they, they get extra contracts because of how they played. I think Mosley and Gardner Johnson are the most likely.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think you kind of nailed it there. And I want to go back to Graham for a second too, because, you know, they, they couldn't hold on to Evan Brown forever, right? Like he was such a a decent player who brought youth. And that's the one thing that, that Graham doesn't like Graham is not going to have a a ton of people like breaking down doors to, to get him at this point in his career, just, just by nature, of his own age, like doesn't even matter his level play. He's a guy that might be like one year deal, one year, one year deals for the rest of his life. Like that just might Mm -hmm. be how life is for, you know, a, 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 an offensive lineman. Is he at his thirties yet? 31, I think. Is he 31? Yeah. So that's just kind of how it works. And you're right. Like it's clear he very much prioritized, I want to play with like he said it like 10 times during his press conference this year. Like, I want to play with friends. I want to play with my friends. I want to play with my friends. That was what was most important to him. And you know, he'll still have the opportunity to potentially start not just this year, but like next year. Because my is not going to be around. And Sorzdol, I think, is is the one guy that we're like hoping would yeah. would be the starter but he's not anywhere. like that's a far ways away we're talking about a day three pick starting he needs to show some stuff on the field first so um yeah i think i think but, that's a really good answer
0: my time might be around you never know uh also graham glasgow turns 31 one week from today so go. uh the 17th so good for we'll have to make sure we wish him a happy birthday uh yeah. next
1: week that's right um and then yeah, really, really yeah, quick go ahead. just with the mosley and, and cj GJ thing um if I had to pick one, I, I'd probably pick mostly because I don't I don't know. I, I I just I do kind of view the Lions as just potentially a springboard for CJGJ. Like I think the Lions knew that they were lucky to get him um mm-hmm. at the price that they did, and I'm not sure they that they really wanted to open their pocket bit books to sign him to a long-term deal. And so they'll be happy to play, I think, the, the compensatory game with him because he could get paid. Huge next year,
0: right?
1: And I'm <laughs> sure the same could be true for Mosley, right? Like that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, but I think first of all, it's not—it's no guarantee that he's going to win the starting job over Jerry Jacobs. It's no, mm-hmm. no guarantee that he's going to be ready to start training camp. But I still think—I still think he has the highest, the 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 biggest outside upside in a position. Like I think he has, and and call me crazy, I think he has potential lockdown number one corner upside which is more valuable than what CJGJ does it. And, and I know it, it is, you Ooh. don't agree a oh. lockdown, a lockdown outside corner.
0: Well, first of all, I think you're crazy. Um, okay.
1: that's
0: fine. <laughs> no, but I, I, I need to see that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I love sure. the energy. I love the the dedication. i like what I see on film or, you know, from last year, but oh, yeah. like, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a big step. Right. If sure. he can take that big step, he's his he's in all honesty. If he takes that step where he's C B one, yeah, he's probably gonna make more money than Gardner Johnson is, sure. in all honesty. And so he might be the get one more, that gets because it's a more yeah. valuable position. <laughs> well, it gets paid that way, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but I but the the thing that the thing with Gardner Johnson in uh, is his energy is such a perfect fit yeah. for this coaching staff no and his leadership. And like those dynamics to me are going to be so valuable this year. And if the defense takes a step, that's something that could be rewarded because that's what happens with these one-year deals. You, you reward guys sure. for what they do.
1: But but it it's almost like a situation where with, with Jamal, where like he brought an energy sure. that that offense absolutely sure. needed. But by the time, you know, 2023 ends, you hope that that has passed on to a guy like Kirby Joseph, who we know is capable of just as much energy to a guy like Brian Branch to a guy like, sure. you know, any, anyone in that secondary, you're kind of hoping mm-hmm. they, it that sort of thing that, that the whole, I guess, swagger of the defense becomes more than just one person.
0: Yeah. And you can see it like you can see. Like Chase, Chase already yeah. had it, sure. um, and you can see Kirby getting more confident. It helps when you uh, you know pick Aaron Rodgers up three times <laughs> in the season. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I don't want to I, I don't want to discount the fact that Gardner Johnson is also a sensational player. Oh, like of he, course, yeah. I mean, well, the list that came out uh, the, the safeties list that came out, he was the top ten safety. Right he's, he, on most boards, he's a guy most like ranking lists that we see over the summer. Yep. Gardner Johnson is in that, is in those safety top, whatever lists, right. Top five, top seven, top 10. Right. Um, I don't think that's going to change now. And, and so if, if his game is at that level, the leadership is there, the defense elevates and he's a big catalyst in that he's worth, he's could be worth the sauce for me.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm not discounting that he gets retired. Sure. I'm, sure. I, I think it's certainly possible. It's just sure. And, and maybe, maybe the reason why they didn't hand him a bigger deal was one. They didn't have to, Um, because why pay a a ton if you don't have to Two, They might've just not had the resources this year. They're certainly going to have more resources next year. So just something. I I think the big
0: difference for me, and because, because I agree with you, like Mosley has that potential to reach a bigger value. The difference for me is you can see the things that Gardner Johnson is doing now. We just haven't seen Mosley. If we have this same conversation at the end of camp could be totally different. Sure.
1: All right. Let's move on to our next question. Um, I want to go to Ted, uh, at reporter retired, um, because there's been a lot of uniform talk lately due to some, uh, some social media (laughs) shenanigans from the Lions. Uh, they ask, uh, can this team upgrade, update their color rush unis without updating their home in a ways we know the traditional jerseys are probably coming next year, but is there a rule to stop them from updating the color rush this year to go with the new helmet? Um, I'm going to take this one, Eric, and and you can correct me if if I'm wrong, but I I did a little research before the show to to make sure I was uh, right on this. And I'm, I'm actually going to write something about this. I just need a hundred percent confirmation before I put pen to paper. But from my understanding, this is what the rules are. Um, You can update, there has to be a five-year period between upgrading your home and away uniforms. And there needs to be a five-year period between updating your alternate uniforms. So those things by rule of the, the, you know, the, the terms and conditions, whatever, like it sounds like those things can be updated separately. So theoretically speaking, yes, the Lions could update their alts this year because it's been five years since they last updated that. And then they can mm. update their, their home in a ways because it's been five years since they've updated that. They can do those separately. That can happen. But <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. Um, in order to change your uniforms, you need to do a lot of work beforehand, a year ahead of time. You need to mm-hmm. tell the NFL that you're going to do it a year time, a year ahead of time. If you were going to update in 2023 your alts, you need to have already given them sample work of what you're going to do. And by now, it needs to be done. And it's possible the Lions have done all those things. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not. <laughs> and here's why. The Lions okay. have, bas- have literally already come out and said they're wearing their grays this year. Mm-hmm. When the new helmets dropped, they said, we're going to wear these with our grays this week mm-hmm. and this week. You can't have two alt uniforms. There are right. no black. There are no black uniforms coming this year. I'm sorry, folks. as much. I know I just took you on a little bit of a ride there, but I know the Lions. They they put on that. You know they they put out that tweet that said in the black and blue uh, division, and they had the blue helmets. And you're like, where's the black? It must be coming in the uniform. It's not coming this year. It could very well be their alt next year, but based on everything I've read in terms of the rules, based on what the Lions have put out there, I doubt they'd go back on the word saying. You know, we're going to wear the all grays. Your alt jersey is going to be the grays this year. It might be the blacks this year. I don't have any insider information there. I would guess it probably will be because I know Lions fans really, really want it. It, It's very Mm -hmm. polarizing. It's actually about 50 50, but the people that really want the black uniforms are very loud and vocal about it. And sometimes the loud and vocal crowd gets their way. And that's, that's (laughs) what I would guess is going to happen next year. I, I find it
0: very interesting that people made such a leap. Um, to the to the black part, because like yeah. the back, the background was black. And and the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, they're just it's just clever wordplay. Like they're they they wanted to tweet out uh, the helmets again. And, and yeah. it was and, and, and they could have just been like, oh, let's just put a black background, a blue helmet and then say, oh, black and blue. And there may have been no like intention at all. This is like when <laughs> they showed Rory. Walking into Ford Field with a package and everybody (laughs) was like, oh, it's every, it's, and it was like, we're changing to
1: Pepsi. Yeah.
0: Coke. Coke." (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's what it feels like. Like when we're, when we're given this much freedom to invent what (laughs) to interpret people. Yeah. yeah, What people are doing, uh, we, we come up with all these creative things. And end up making you do a bunch of research and tell a grand story. Uh, <laughs> all, all, all because someone was like, oh, look, if I put this on a black background, it could just be black. I mean that. Maybe, and, and it, is, be, maybe it is subliminal. Maybe it's, subco- you know, like they're trying to, to poke at your subconscious and they're
1: trying to be like, you know, subtle about it. But um, and to be it, it also like could the- be very innocent. There, were, there was also, like, some other weird stuff that was happening. Like, apparently they were doing tours of the facility. Yeah, and the gray was removed. And the gray one was missing from their, like, <laughs> uniforms. I'm like, that, okay, that is weird. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> yeah. but in, unless the Lions literally have lied to the public and said they're going to wear their gray uniforms today, uh, don't expect any black uniforms coming this year.
0: Would it be that they're just bored out of their mind at Allen Park right now. <laughs> and they're playing a
1: long practical joke I would on love, everyone. Honestly, I would love it if they were. Like, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit annoying because one, I don't like the black uniforms and I don't like having to shoot down a bunch of rumors and stuff. But I do kind of like the playfulness of that if it is, which, which I doubt. But if it is, thumbs up to you guys, but also knock it off, you jerks. It would uh, never
0: happen that this would never happen under Quinn, Quinn and Patricia. It's never. Sure. But <laughs> for better,
1: or for this, worse, this new fun regime, all bets it, are off. I, you know what? Maybe it's payback for like the millions of tweets that they get after them. For every, every, <laughs> every Where's where's inside the den? Where's inside the den? Maybe.
0: <laughs> I feel like they might be delaying it on purpose. Maybe. No, sure. you know what it is. The, the, look, the the Lions' uh, production crew yeah. that does they 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 are sensational. Yeah, they've been working like because remember they had to work during the hard knocks and mm-hmm. like they had to work through it. They did all this extra stuff this past season. Um, they they probably got of deserved break. You know what I mean? Oh, one hundred percent. Like that. Had- like the, They're they're winning Emmys and stuff. Yeah. Like so. We, we listen
1: if 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 yeah if it costs us an extra three weeks of waiting that's fine because one right. we're recharging the batteries of people who do a really really good job and two yeah. like let's i don't know let's be humane about him <laughs> it's, <laughs> Have it's, you seen... it's a 365 kind of job Let, let's make it maybe more of a 350 345
0: <laughs> i think um when you look at some of the other teams versions of, of like inside the den yeah you can grow to appreciate what the lions really have sure uh, and that's not just yeah. other... and, and the... no 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 I, I, no I think the line the lions ones are just being sensational, their, a sensational scope is, team.
1: their scope is bigger right because i think a lot of a lot of teams rush to put out like just what happened on draft night just like the behind the rooms war room stuff and yeah. i understand like for a person like me yeah i'd love that information out as early as possible but especially sure. with last year's video and i know we're getting way off topic here um but with last year's video like they're they're bringing in footage from the combine they're bringing footage from pro days like they're they're putting it all together to tell a bigger story than just what happened on draft night you know
0: right i feel like um i don't remember the number so i don't want to speak out of turn but they had they had told us one time how many hours of video (laughs) they had to comb through to make that post draft insight and it was like it was an insane number yeah um i don't recall so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say a false number
1: but but shout out to the one pride productions crew which i think is their official name now like they do they do a phenomenal job um all right let's do yeah let's squeeze one more in here before we take a break uh let's go to matthew fran franey uh uh, franey underscore sizemore on twitter asks why does it seem like ben johnson gets a disproportionate amount of credit For the success of the offense, he obviously is great, but MCDC should get more credit. He put the pieces together, promoted Ben Johnson and provides the philosophy. Good offense is way more than just play calling.
0: Oh, I I think the the main reason that Ben gets most of the credit is because he is the one at the forefront of. Of the uh, of the play calling, he's the one that's like calling it on game day. And yes, there's prep. Yes, there's breaking down players. There's adding players. You know, you can inc- include Brad Holmes in that as well. But the way I kind of envision it is, offense is like an orchestra. Okay, you've got your offensive line in one area. You've got your skill players that are separated into their into their different instruments, and then Ben Johnson is the conductor. Dan Campbell's the producer. Dan Campbell is the guy who's behind the scenes, getting guys into try, getting people into tryouts. He's 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 coming up with funding for it. He's giving hints on the direction of what he wants to do. But Ben Johnson is the is the orchestra. He's he's the he's the composer. He is the guy that is making things happen as it goes. And so, yes, there's a lot of credit that 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 Campbell deserves for helping the offense get to where it is. But the big difference is. When the action is happening, it's Ben Johnson that's pulling the strings. It's Ben Johnson that's making the, making the music uh, of the Lions offense. And when you have to make adjustments in the game, it's Ben Johnson executing those adjustments. If we look back to when Dan Campbell was play calling – there were not a lot of offensive adjustments that were made because Dan had so many other responsibilities that like, look at that Pittsburgh game where they tied, right? Like it was just like the <laughs> same stuff. It was like, they ran the same play. They ran like a, like a zone, right. Read like eight to 10 times. Like they just ran it. Cause they're like, Hey, it seems to be working. So let's just keep doing it with Ben. Ben's going to have a backside, you know, reverse laid up in there. That's going to go for third. You know what I mean? Like, so Ben is the guy who makes the music happen. Dan's the guy who
1: supplies him with the, the materials. Okay, I got a couple things. First of all, I hate you for making me remember that game in the first place. I, th- I feel like that was in the back end of my memory and just about ready to leave forever. And now you've brought it up. Uh, second of all, <laughs> it, it's a little unfair to Dan Campbell. Uh, Why? Because he took over mid-season.
0: Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm I, yeah. I, yeah, No. I, I look, it's hard to do, I guess, is what yes. my point was, right? It's hard to be able to set things up and to, and to like, yeah. And Dan, Dan made improvements, but some of that improvements was because Ben was helping him along the way as well. But also true. I think uh, go, go back to my overarching. Yeah. No, you're over. Thing. Yeah.
1: Your overarching point is, is true. And, and I think the, the question says, good offense is way more than play calling. Well, what Ben Johnson does is way more than play calling too, right? Like that, yeah. that amazing athletic piece, was about building a scheme. Like Dan has the overall philosophy of he wants to do, but he's also a very good delegator in that schematically, do what you want, Ben. This is your offense. And so I think, I think, I think everyone kind of gets the right amount of credit in in this case, because, because Dan is a delegator, because Dan is relatively hands-off. That's not to say he doesn't know X's and O's. And I think the fact that he took over play calling and the offense got better in 2021 is, is proof of that. Like, He was able to get a more clear version of what he wanted out there. And then part of that again, was because of Ben Johnson though, too. And part of it is like, okay, now I know that Ben Johnson is on my side. Now I know that Ben Johnson knows what I want on the offense. It's his offense. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think, I think Ben Johnson deserves all the credit he's getting. I, I do think Dan Campbell doesn't get enough credit for, for the X's and O's stuff, but he's not doing a lot of that stuff. Now he is like, if you're out there on practice, Go out, go out to training camp over the next two, three weeks. See how hands-on he is. You'll be amazed by how little he's involved in really mm-hmm. everything. And it's it's not to say that you know he's not a coach that's unwilling to get his hands dirty. Like no, he'll talk to players and pull them aside every now and then. But he's mostly letting everyone operate in their own yeah. realm. And so that's why I think Ben Johnson deserves all the credit he's getting. I think I think if anyone's not getting enough care, uh, credit for the offense, I think it's Jared Goff.
0: Right. Like. See. Like. Campbell's strength is his ability to delegate and yes. then let things happen, but he he's he's giving the direction, right he's yeah. and 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 Ben Johnson takes what Campbell wants, takes what golf wants and then he's able to merge it together in, in to, into what he's good at. golf. his in golf's influence on the offense, is is really vast the, this is what he does well and this is how we're going to accentuate it and this is how we're going to take advantage of people because of this again though i'm gonna ben is the one that makes that that, that makes that happen yeah uh, Jared goff is chair one clarinet he's the guy he's he's the best he's the best one they got Mm-hmm. I it's still Ben. It's still Ben though. That's given him his solo. It's still Ben. That's making him shine. Um, and a, I just, I think Ben absolutely gets, um, it, it deserves everything, all the recognition he's getting because, One of the reasons he's getting, he looks like he's, he can be a good head coach is because he's able to do these things that it looks like that's, that's a translatable skill at the next, at a head coaching job. Right. And so that's why I think the head coaching opportunities are never going to dry up for Ben Johnson unless a disaster happens. But um, Ben is just a, he's a very smart mind and we're seeing it unfold in front of us.
1: Is Panay Sewell the first string tuba player? Is he the crash symbols or is he the stand up bass drum? oh he's
0: the stand up bass right like he, he's the he's the big guy uh he's the yeah he he is the, he I mean he's got enough personality though that you could you could make him you could give him like a trumpet you know what I mean or, I or something like that I,
1: I kind of like crash cymbals though
0: no yeah no for sure that that's more uh, <laughs> that's that's more along the lines of uh of like a Graham Glasgow though I think yeah. Graham would be be good at that
1: that's fair all right <laughs> let's take a break we go back more of your lines questions here live on twitch.tv slash pride join us every Wednesday afternoon but uh we will be right back we're back here on the midweek mailbag, myself, Jeremy Raisman and Eric. So answering your questions live here on twitch.tv slash of Detroit. Also on your podcast feeds uh, the day after, uh, which we normally record on a Wednesday as we are today, but let's get back to the questions, Eric. Uh, this next one comes from Seth at Brad Holmes's kid on Twitter. asked nice. Gibbs, this is, uh, we've got a couple De- Debbie Downer ones in here, Eric. So I'm I'm, I'm sorry. You're going to have to, you're going to really have to carry your weight here to, to bring things back up. Um <laughs> If Gibbs goes down for an extended period of time, does Ben Johnson change the playbook or does he throw another player into that role for those plays? I'm thinking someone like Khalif Raymond to be a slot running back hybrid. I think he adapts. I think he almost has to, right? Um, Because Gibbs is a
0: unique uh, player in the fact that you are... Moving him around in in a lot of different ways, but he also is that he can be a threat out of the backfield. And I think as as creative as we've seen Ben Johnson in the past with moving Khalif and moving Amon Ra into the backfield, they're they're not as they're not realistic threats. I think Amon Ra ran the ball like two or three times uh, out of those formations. Typically, he's either staying in the block or he's he's flaring out or something. Uh, I don't think they really have a one for one. Uh, replacement for Gibbs, e- even amongst the running backs, right? right? And so, if Gibbs goes down, I think it is a, a, a alteration of the scheme. But the the brilliance of the scheme that he runs is that they can adapt. Uh, that's part of how it, it, it's designed. And so, injuries are a unfortunate commonplace in the NFL, and you need to be able to adapt to win games. And I think Ben Johnson's shown his he's been able to do that uh, previously.
1: Yeah, and I mean. He got, he got a lot of practice with DeAndre Swift, right? Oh, yeah. who, basically, who basically played the exact same role. It's like, you, you kind of mm-hmm. had to change on the fly. Over. I think their initial impressions of what they were going to get out of DeAndre Swift just didn't end up happening, you know, once yeah. we got two or three weeks into the season and he was already dealing with some ankle stuff. So um, the, the good news is that the Lions have other guys they can make the centerpiece, right? And I'm not saying, sure. first of all, I'm not saying Jameer Gibbs is going to be the centerpiece, but. He's going to kind of be a prominent beast. <laughs> Um, but like, yeah, you can just change kind of what you do well at. Like if it doesn't have to be a, a running back being a mismatch out wide or a running back, breaking 40 yard runs, that is your focus anymore because you'll have someone like Amon St. Brown. You'll have someone like Sam Laporta. You'll have a, a whole bunch of different options at least, you know, ideally. Right. And, and even a guy like David Montgomery, yeah. you know, the one, one of his bigger, you know, improvements from Jamal Williams is that he's a better threat in the passing game, and so like yeah. again, it, it's it's a different way. Like he's not going to be the same kind of threat that that Jameer Gibbs is, but I think I think the Lions operate, and they they mostly operate this this way. I think across the board, not just at the running back position, that if you lose a guy, you aren't looking to put in a guy who is that replacement. You're putting in the next guy, and then adjusting what that guy does to to highlight his skill set, right? Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like your like your starters typically have slight variations that make them unique that allow them to start at their positions. But then, you maybe have a gadget guy as a reserve. But most of the time, the reserves on this roster are guys that are really good at a lot of things, but maybe not superstars at one. Right? Uh, the Khalif Raymonds, the the gadget guys are. There's only you know it's like him. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the other reserves are are basically guys that you know you can count on, not necessarily guys that are, you know, really, really special in one specific area. Yep.
1: All right, next question here comes from Lion's Eyed here on Twitch. uh, And we're going to get the other bad one out of the way here. So get rid of the bad juju at the top here. Uh, It says, how bad a start to the season before you hit the panic button? Surely it it comes before one and six, right? I don't... I don't know. Like I, I I'm going to be honest. I
0: haven't even thought about this question because I don't think it's <laughs> re- realistic. And and that's maybe that's my hu- hubris here. Sure. Uh, but like, I'm still riding off the week eighteen high, yeah. and I don't see myself coming down from that anytime soon. <laughs> and uh, but like, when you look at how. This roster has been developed, yeah, uh, over the last two years. We were talking about it in 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 the break. How they've they've built this foundation uh, across the board, and just so that they can just add a little bit more and add a little bit more. And in some positions, you've seen that drastic improvement. Other positions, it's been a slow climb, but there's the improvement has been there. And so, I don't know if this is a team that's at a point where you would see. A big drop like that like a big losing six out of their first seven games like sure. I don't know if they could so how big of a law like I, I'm gonna be honest they might have to lose like eight like like one in eight before <laughs> I started to be like all right hold on because like I, I'm still confident in the direction and I just don't envision it happening and so like I'm not really
1: prepared good I, tell me tell me no, why I'm you're why being... you would panic before me you're being ridiculous um, because no. you're, te- you're telling me this, if this team somehow made it to 0-5, 0-6, you wouldn't be like, crap. I totally misjudged this team.
0: I don't think I would bail because the future. Sure. I, okay. Like, I see the long-term vision of the yes. future. Like, the, yeah, the, 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 the way I'm reading this question is, when are you throwing in a towel and saying, I want a new regime? Like, okay. That's not how i that's, Oh, okay. Well, that's how I'm reading it. Like,
1: okay, that's fair.
0: When when would I bail on the season? Yeah, sure. One in six. You, the season's <laughs> okay. gone at that right. point. But like, it, but like, I'm not ready to bail on this regime right. because they're ahead of the game. Like, if yeah. they are able to live up to these I expectations, I are ex- head. Yeah, I didn't expect them to be competitive for another year, and right. so. If they're not competitive this year, or if they're like another 8 19, like I'm going to be disappointed, but I'm not going to be like jumping chip and be like, right. I'm yeah, not, no, I'm not going to call for heads, you know, firings or anything like that. Right. right. But
1: and 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 that's part of the reason why I'm almost this is why I have the anxiety of high expectations. It's not so much as like I'm afraid the team's going to let me down, it's I'm afraid that, you know, because of the randomness of football, they might not reach everyone's expectations and then people are going to get mad people are going to get mad if this team goes eight, nine and, and want heads and, oh, and want sure. explanations. And, and to be clear to answer this question, like we kind of have to see how it happens, right? If this team starts out one in six again, well, that might look a lot different. If Jared Goff gets injured in week one versus the lines, just everyone's healthy and no one's playing well. Right. Then, then you start ans- then you start asking questions. Then you start like, cause here's the thing. If the lines are one in six to start the season, And the defense isn't even a little better than it's been. Well, then I think people would rightfully say, like, I don't know about this Aaron Glenn guy. Maybe he's a position coach and not a coordinator, right? Certainly. But to kind of bring it around to the 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 bigger question here, like, what when do you hit the panic button? When do you when do you say maybe the season is not going to be what it is? I'm going to give the lines a little bit of leeway at the beginning of the year because they have the Chiefs, Seahawks, Falcons, and Packers, four teams that are. That that think they might make the playoffs this year, right? Four potential playoff teams. So if they go, if they go 0 and 4 in that, during that stretch, I'm going to be pretty worried. I'm going to give them a, a if they start 1 and 3. I'm I'm still I'm still going to have very high expectations for the season. Now, then you have the Panthers, Buccaneers, Ravens, and Raiders. If you go into the ne- that next four and you and you're only still at like two wins, then then I'm like then I'm upset then you're talking about a two and six team that should be way even better. So like, I think that's around the time where I'm like, okay, what's going on? And if there isn't like a big like injury that happened or, you know, they're they're losing all these games on bad calls and, and they're they're right there in every single game, unless those things are happening, then, then I am asking maybe bigger questions than just like, man, the season's lost. Other than that though, like you should give them at least a little bit of runway because of the tough start of the schedule. It does ease up. I think considerably towards the end of the season. And, and so far they've been a better second half of the season than, than first half anyway. So things Mm -hmm. should get better regardless. I think once we hit kind of uh, November, I would say really, they should, they should turn in in October. If there is a tough start.
0: How many, how many playoff teams do you think that they're facing? are teams that are like legitimate playoff contenders in their first eight weeks. Cause since we're talking about like a one in six or one and seven start.
1: Well, I mean, okay. It depends because when you say playoff contender, three of those eight games are against NFC South teams and any team could win that that division.
0: So, so, so that counts as one.
1: Okay. If you're on the counting as <laughs> one collective there, it's, Whoa. it's them, the Ravens. I would say the Packers are a playoff contending team Seahawks and Chiefs. All so right. five, five out of your first eight. All right. But but really, you can make an argument for six or seven. Either way, I mean, you can make an argument for anyone in in July, right? Um, all right, we'll move on. I know you're uncomfortable talking about bad outcomes here. <laughs> no, I just don't, you know,
0: I don't believe in them.
1: Um, let's, let's go to Ice Cecil's question. I like this one here. It says, um, "Which second or third year player do you see making the biggest jump in production this year?" Huh. Um, a lot of candidates. I feel like Ali yeah. McNeil is a guy that people talk about a lot. Like thought maybe he was going to take a year or two jump. It didn't really come into late in the season. Maybe hits the ground the, running. The the hard part here is of the of those guys that are in
0: their third year. Yeah, a lot of them are already playing at a really high level. Like Sewell's already at a high level. Right. Um, you can't count him. Right. You can't exactly. I'm we don't know right, if we, count. we we don't know if Levi's going to play. Right. Um. Aleem has been playing at a good level,
1: and, and, and yeah, you can't count St. Brown. So that only leaves you with Melifonwu and Derek Barnes. Well, and, and you I, can throw second-year players in here too. It's, it's oh, second oh, or was, third. Okay. So, so you can um, throw you can throw Josh Pascal. I think is is probably a solid answer here. Okay, because that's the thing is is, is, is Herbie Kirby you you got, well, can
0: Kirby get like that much better? Like he's already, like, he's already a legend in this city.
1: And Derek, um, you forgot Derek. Did you say Derek Barnes? Derek Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the, out of those th-
0: guys in year three, mm-hmm. the biggest improvements can come from Melifanu or Barnes. I don't think Melifanu has starter potential and I, but who knows, if you believe the coaches, maybe Barnes does. Yeah. I'm not sold on it yet, but I, let's, I think, you know. I think
1: of year three guys, it's a lean. I do. Like I you, you think even though he's playing at that level, he can still take it up yeah, higher than I those do. other guys. Think? I don't, I think he was too inconsistent last year. Like he had like, okay. everyone points obviously to, to the Giants game as like, that was, that was what we want to see on a more consistent basis, but it was kind of the only game he had like that all season. Yeah, that's true.
0: Uh, the thing with the is that I feel like he's already, a, he plays at an already high but he, play, he plays at a very respectable level Agreed. right now, as yeah. it is. So I'm just thinking, like, this that's why I these questions are always difficult because, yeah. like, Mel Fanu could have a larger jump in what he does than Aleem, yet he may play five he's snaps kind of all year. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, he's never going to be as good as Aleem is now before he makes the leap, right? right? Like, so that's why these questions are always, it's all about how you interpret them. Um, of the second year guys. Paschal makes a lot of sense because he's... I mean, J-Mo, I guess, technically counts too. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, J-Mo should have the highest, right. The highest, right? Um, Paschal makes a lot of sense because he missed portions of the season. Yeah. Hard, hard road. Chase Lucas could be a fun one, right? Because, like, you, uh, you know... You're ridiculous. If he,
1: if, he makes, if he makes the team, like, that's, that's a good start. Uh, a jump from um, uh, being injured to occasional special teamer. Yeah, there you go.
0: It's uh, a nice jump. Um,
1: <laughs> you know, we saw,
0: but you know, we saw a ton out of Houston. We saw a ton out of Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, I really think Kirby. Like again, you're. you're I think Kirby has the highest ceiling? ceiling. Like, or he has the potential to like. <sighs> I still think Aiden's got the highest ceiling. Let me yeah. let me put it that Okay. Way. But I think Kirby. If he has the highest, like he could go to Pro Bowl level this yeah. year, right? Whereas I don't know if Hutch is ever going to be recognized. We've talked about this in the past. Right. If Hutch, unless Hutch is putting up 15 sacks, he's probably not going to get the recognition because the league is so deep in edge rushers right now. Right. And, and Pro Bowl voters value sacks more than anything. Exactly. Exactly. Whether we like it or not, that's what they value. Yep. Um, but if but if Kirby, he if you know if he gets a handful of interceptions, you know, some of those that he was knocking away that he he's pulling those in now.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I mean the hard parts you no know, Aaron Rodgers isn't in the division anymore. Mm. But for him, if he is able to raise his game to pro bowl, like I think he has that potential. Like, I yeah. don't think Josh Basco is gonna step on the field and all of a sudden become a pro bowler. I don't think James Houston is necessarily gonna be a pro bowler because I think of his role, right. I think he, like now he'd have to have like 15 sacks. You know what I mean? Like he'd just, he'd have to have a sack, like every, uh, what, every third snap that he plays. And so, um, I think Kirby's like where he can go is really super high. Yeah. But if we're talking from where you
1: are to where you go, Jamo, you, you're right, is probably the right yeah, answer there. But I mean, Kirby's, I think Kirby's a solid answer too, because while while he finished the season strong, like there were still some inconsistencies at the start of the season was sure. a little rougher. Yeah, hey, I mean, he's still young. Yeah, he's still new to the position too. Like, yeah, um, yeah. that's another thing, but that's why I think a lot of people are, are, are answering Derek Barnes too. I just don't know if Derek Barnes is going to get the opportunity as much because they just drafted a dude and because they love Alex Anzalone. So I think to me, it's, it's a it's Kirby, it's, it's JMO. If you want to count JMO and, and kind of everyone else after that. Um, okay. All right. Let's close things out with a, a question from our buddy. Miko uh, asks, how close do you think the battle for RB three is? Could Craig Reynolds potentially be on their way out? So you just, Posted mm. your RB three your kind of RB uh, training camp preview Review. that, that yeah. mostly talked about the RB three situation and really RB four as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I guess we, we talked about it a little. We had a very short discussion at the end of that um, article, but but where where are your thoughts on it right now? On, on how close it is?
0: Yeah, I think it's very close. Yeah, and, and the hiccup is the 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 point, or the I guess the culmination of that article was that. Reynolds is the incumbent RB3. Therefore, he's probably the leader going into camp as RB3. That was that was what we came up with. Yep. But in reality, we have a brand new running backs coach in Scotty Montgomery, and we're not 100% sure on what he values or how he's going to teach players. Um, and, and so I think it's wide open because Jefferson was RB3 ahead of Reynolds two years ago. And then he got injured and he lost the RB three spot, to Reynolds Reynolds then was RB three. And he, he got injured. He lost that job to, to, uh, to uh, Jackson. Right. right? And then now Jackson's not back with the team. So we've kind of defaulted back to Reynolds, but like. Jefferson might be the more pure runner, but he's not as good of a special teams contributor. And so that kind of keeps him off. Uh, Ibrahim could be the sleeper we've all been looking for for a while. And he could be RB three. Right. And then, you know, we've barely seen, we've never even seen Greg Bell in pads. So who knows what, what they, you know, what, if Greg Bell ends up lighting some things on fire as well. So I, I guess the point is, I think it's very close. I'm not ruling anybody out. Reynolds looks like the guy, but He could be on, maybe he does, maybe he, it's, it's, I'm not ruling out that he ends up on the practice squad because someone else steps up. I think that's, so yeah, the battle
1: is that tight. And, and the, the example I provided in your article was, was Godwin last year, right? Like Godwin was the incumbent. Godwin was a guy who, who did a lot on special teams, who seemed like he was a very good player that, that did everything the Lions asked for. And we even saw in hard knocks them like hyping that guy up and he didn't make the team. Yep. and, and, considering like i it it just hit me now just how much this running back room has really been overhauled this offseason like obviously you got rid of your top two guys but really you got rid of your top three guys with justin jackson and now we have not only muhammad ibrahim who's new but really greg bell is kind of new too Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so like other than jamar jefferson who's a guy we haven't seen a lot of at all and the incumbent in, in craig reynolds everyone here is new and so like I, I think part of the reason why we think it's so even is like, we just don't know a lot of these yeah. guys. We don't know what they can bring to the table. And it I don't think there's anything necessarily that Craig Reynolds brings to the table that is unreplaceable. Like, I, I think there are people on the roster that can probably do what he does. They're just going to have to go out and do it like that. I yeah. think, I think it's truly whoever performs well over the next month and a half is going to win that job. And that sounds basic and it sounds obvious but that's that's how this team operates you got you got to earn your job and and yeah i'm not taking any one spot for granted other than the top two guys yeah first i
0: think people forget how kind of smooth jefferson was as, yeah. as, as as like a one cut downhill runner um he did we never saw him last year and and really he he scored a touchdown in each of his first two games, right? That's and then right. he was injured. He was injured on his second one, yes. and that's and then he he didn't look right the rest of his rookie year. Yep. Then he then he can't crack the roster last year because of just because really because of Jackson, because sure. Jackson was the kick returner and the the RB three, and so I, I I'm I'm going to be keeping an eye on Jefferson, see how he is a year removed from injury. And uh, see if he can show me some some of the things that I saw when he was a rookie that I liked.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people, when you see a draft pick entering year three and they haven't made the field yet, they're about ready to give up on that guy. And a lot of people, sure, assume that the the coaching staff is ready to give up on that guy. And I understand that, and it is true in a lot of cases. But I think in this case, like there has been enough obstacles, understandable obstacles for a guy like Jamar to say, like, okay, now. Now the path is a little bit clearer for the guy, and now he may yeah. have a, a better chance at really being more of a contributing member of this football team. And so um, I'm with you. I, I, I'm not counting him out. I'm not assuming like if he's another one of those guys. Um, and and I've I've probably been guilty of that a little bit with with iffy saying like oh, I don't know. But but now if he has kind of a an interesting path to the roster as well. Mm-hmm. So um, don't sleep on here's, these year three guys. Yeah, here's the last thing I want to point out about
0: Jefferson. Jackson is still a fr- un- unrestricted free agent. He's yeah. still out there. True. They could easily have brought him back. The fact that they haven't brought him back and the fact that they have said they've been trying, looking for ways to get Jefferson an opportunity. You kind of put those pieces together and it makes me think that they like what they saw enough from him because again, they didn't see Greg Bell. Ibrahim wasn't on the, uh, on the team. And so you, you only saw those two reserves and they felt comfortable letting Jackson walk and sticking with just those two guys means that they, I think they
1: they have confidence that one of those guys is going to step up. Really good point. And that will close us out. Training camp just less than two weeks away where we're going to have to actually talk about what happens and, and talk about who's leading the RV3 battle. So make sure you stick along for Pride Detroit all the way, subscribe to us, all the podcasting platforms. Why don't you leave us a review too? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, rate us on Spotify. I think we've got by far the most Spotify ratings and we're a a strong four nine so continue helping us out that way uh it's a it's a great way you can support us without costing you a penny uh just a little bit of your time but until next time my name's jeremy that's eric over there thank you all for listening it's chaos Be kind.